Hello, welcome to episode 157 of Riot Act. This is the alternative music podcast that actually covers actually covers alternative music. That's what we do. There are other ones who say they do, um, but they don't. I know Renfrey's looking confused. I just listened to one the other day that was like alternative music, and they're covering like of mice and men and stuff. And I was like, yeah, not my away. idea of alternative music, buddy. But anyway, um, I'm Stephen Hill. Renfrey Deadman's here with me as ever. Hello. To give you an idea of why I think that we cover actual alternative music, this week we're doing Quicksand, Walls in the Throne Room, Nas, and The Joy Formidable. Now, there's a little bit of up and down regarding the release dates of all these things. Nas actually came out last week, mm. but Fawn Limbs that we reviewed last week comes out this week. Yes. And Walls in the Throne Room and The Joy Formidable come out next week. So actually, the only thing that we're reviewing on this week's show that actually comes out this week <laughs> is Quicksand. Bit of a weird time uh, at the moment because um, uh, it feels like all of the bands who wanted to release stuff during the pandemic are doing it in the next couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, it's a bit bit bonkers. So the releases are going to be a little bit weird and all over the place for the next couple of weeks. But hey, it's fine. We will deal with it. Mad old bastards. Um, thank you very much to the eight of you out of the 15 that needed to come back for our Patreon page to get me to get us back <laughs> up to 500. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, and, and you haven't all done it. Come on. It's not hard, is it? Patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Come, on, Come back. Get back so we can get to that five. Just, just just not for the money, for the sort of the synchronicity of it is driving me mad. Mm. Mm. I don't like it. Are you like this, Rimfrey? I have a pile of three books and then a pile of five books next to it. And I can't sleep if I have that. They have to be four and four. Oh wow, that sounds like um, that sounds like you might have some issues there. Do I have that? No, not really. I have to I, be honest. I, with you. Do you know what I used? To, I used to before I'd say anything. This one as a teenager, I had a phase where I used to count the amount of letters in each sentence, and I would only try and say sentences with even number of letters. Is that weird? Wow. Um, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I used to. I used to like count the number of letters in a word and i wanted it to yeah. be divisible by three so, oh, so a different Christ. rule but a similar yeah. kind of thought process let, let us let us know if you have any other um <laughs> numerical <laughs> language barriers that stop you from saying certain sentences yeah. it'd be interesting to find out if that was just us if you'd like to get any sort of numerical uh, shame off of your chest then we are here for you and uh we could read them out anonymously couldn't we that could be fun we could we could yeah i mean that's not really uh what we're meant to be (laughs) doing really but you know we 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 could do that i guess we could falls under the remit of alternative music as far as i'm concerned sort of does yeah more so than of mice and men i think so yeah uh patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast um also the numerical quality of a word has never tried to <laughs> so even that it's better than mice of men um anyway patreon.com forward slash right act podcast go over there for our five pound tier uh we're still trying to push in the direction of the baroness and the rem specials that we recently put out yellow and green monster and automatic for the people automatic for the people is available for free if you'd like to listen to that just to give you you know a little teaser of the sort of thing that we do uh for any amount of money we've got the rioters review where you suggest an album and we will talk about said album we should have one coming up or going up at some point regarding six by manson 
which we've been trying to get done but i've just found it very very difficult because the album is surprisingly complex and unusual record for what i thought was just some second b list Britpop band but that doesn't appear to be the case at all with manson it's bonkers i uh see manson in a completely different light um but mm. yes yeah i'd always heard that that was the case but um uh, i'd never actually heard the record before so yeah pretty mental um i'm gonna say broken records which we have already recorded this week is on chamber music by cold chamber and it's basically a classic album <laughs> it's really fucking long it went on for a really long time we did the fucking history of new metal all sort of surrounding chamber music essentially did pretty much did cold chambers entire career on broken records so that's coming on monday not always necessarily positive but you know no we went a little bit overboard i think it's fair to say on that one mm. um but um i i'm at the, at the moment the unedited version is two hours long which uh is a bit ridiculous for t- i mean two hours on cold chamber jesus christ what are we on uh so i'm probably going to do some quite judicious editing to that uh so we'll see what it turns up as but mm. it will be a i'm sure it will be a bumper length feature length there we go broken records for you on monday as well well i tell you what and i'm not going to tell you what the album is but what came out of the hat at the end of that cold chamber episode that will be a bumper episode that will be a bumper episode because just to kind of dangle that carrot for you that is a record which i had on the list for potential classic albums and we're doing it on broken records Mm. so that should give you some idea as to how i feel about the record that we will be doing in two episodes time of broken records anyway go and find that where we try and find the worst album ever made um let's just go straight into what's happened big old guns and roses week really isn't it Rimfrey? <laughs> now guns and roses released a brand new song the first since the chinese democracy sessions of 2006 so what is that that's uh looking at 15 years 2008 yes yeah, so we're looking at 13 years yeah. um without a new guns and roses song and along it comes and it is basically just it's an old song um which was originally called silkworms mate just just hand over to me i've got this is all in my brain being, being okay. like a massive guns and roses fan <laughs> so so yeah so it's um it's been retitled absurd and it's um it's been around since at least 2001 i remember when i was desperately clamoring to hear material from chinese democracy or 2000 intentions as it was as the working title was for quite a while. Was um, it? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It couldn't have been very well, long. Yeah. Well, <laughs> back when they thought it would be released around 99, 2000, yeah. they called it 2000 Intentions for a while. But then it changed its name to Chinese Democracy, I don't know, yeah, around 99, 2000. I can't remember now. But um, Silkworms is a really weird... When, when people talked about like the Nine Inch Nails direction of the new material, that... Um, the Chinese democracy material was going in. I think they were talking about one or two things that actually ended up on Chinese democracy, Shackless Revenge, maybe, for example. But I think mm. the big thing they were talking about was silkworms, because it's this really like industrial, weird, um, Axel's angry and shouting about uh, pussy being full of maggots, um, which is a line which um, hasn't aged well. Uh, I think even at the time I raised an eyebrow at it. And um, yeah. We don't usually do sort of track reviews of new songs that have come out, but let's face it, a new Guns N' Roses song coming out is once in a blue fucking moon, isn't it? And, you know... It is! This is the first time 
that Guns N' Roses, quote unquote, have released an album, you know, with um, the holy trio of Duff, Axel and Slash. God, I mean, an original song since 1991? I mean, you know, the last thing they released was a cover of Sympathy for the Devil uh, for the interview with the Vampire soundtrack pretty terrible cover it has to be said mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it is safe to say that this is a very big deal in terms of like a single song being released yeah it is whose opinion do you want first i don't know what, what what's the well best i think people already i mean i i've i wrote a thousand word essay on it for classic rock about right four hours after it was up online about four hours after the song came out i let i woke up and was t- and just saw the thing i was like do you want to do that and i was like oh my god guns and roses has got a new song out i was really surprised i mean you know i'm not a massive guns and roses fan no, no, I, no. I like them yeah i'm not like you i mm. don't love them in mm. the way that you love them I um but i got you know i got a little soft spot for guns and roses i think they're decent um and so, yeah, getting asked to do that, I was like, oh, that's exciting. I didn't really un- think there was even new material. I had no idea they were even thinking about doing new material because I don't really pay attention to them as a band particularly anyway. It's been rumoured for a couple of years. Yeah, I know. It has. I've like looking into it. It's like, oh, yeah, it has been rumoured for a couple yeah. of years. But obviously, I don't pay any attention to yeah. Guns N' Roses at all, really. Mm. Um, and when I put it on, my first listen, I was like, you would ne- I would never have thought this was Guns N' Roses in a million years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you'd have said to me, like, here's a new song from a band guess what band it is it would have been a really long time before i got to guns and roses mm-hmm. a really really long time even with axel's um <laughs> yeah but it's only there for like a second and <laughs> but it's it is like the yeah, only yeah, yeah. person who does that yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but i like and so people might have seen the thing that i've that i've written about it and i was i've looked at a lot of re- response from the fans um for it and everyone seems to fucking hate it i I quite I like I quite like it. I actually quite like it. What do you like about it, Steve? Because I'm struggling. <laughs> I like the fact that it sounds a bit like a sort of scrappy punk song with an alt metal riff mm. trying to sound like the cult. Mm. Mm. And there's a little kind of ambient bit in the middle that I was like, oh, okay, I didn't expect to see that. Definitely unexpected that ambient bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I just sort of like the fact that I was like, well, this doesn't really sound like Guns N' Roses. I mean, I would struggle to say that it sounds like anything particularly contemporary. Mm. I don't think it sounds like a contemporary band mm. at all. Mm. You know, like all the things that I thought it reminded me of were, you know, like Axel's doing a bit of a kind of um, Johnny Rotten snarl in it. He's trying mm. to do like the kind of the riff is less sort of sleaze rock and more sort of. I don't know, white zombie or prong or something like that. They're kind of going for that, but with a bit more, but they're doing it with a bit more sort of. It's elasticy, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's covered in sort of that Al Jorgensen ministry sort of deep. That, that that vocal you know what they do where they kind of put the vocal through what, what sounds like you're singing over a radio or down the phone or something they've got a lot of that yes it. i can't remember what that's called but yeah i know the effect you're talking about mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. so i was like oh it doesn't really sound like guns and roses and i'm quite glad because i wouldn't want to get a guns and roses song and it come out and it sound like you know i wouldn't want those guys at their age really that it would be really easy for them to do some bloated pompous um <laughs> Greta Van Fleety, Zeppelin-y, like, you know, Elton Johnny, like, old man, ploddy 
boring stomper like not even stomper but plodder yeah a retro classic rock type thing and this is you know it's three minutes long it's not long it's three and a bit minutes long it's one big guitar riff which is really catchy the first time you hear it it's really quite it's it's fairly simple and it sounds kind of gnarly it sounds i mean it doesn't sound new by any stretch of your mind it doesn't sound like an oh my god this is so new but it's sort of new for them. I don't even if it's new for them. But it's new-ish for them. It's different for what you think of when your head goes Guns N' Roses. You think Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine, as we'll talk about in a second. November Rain, all that kind of thing. I don't think you immediately go to Shackler's Revenge or whatever. That's not immediately what you think of when you think of Guns N' Roses. Particularly no, when you think not. that the people there aren't... didn't like Half the people that you're excited about being on this song weren't even on Chinese Democracy at all anyway. Yeah. So this iteration of Guns N' Roses... You wouldn't expect them to sound like that. I don't think it's that bad. I actually, it's made me go, oh, I actually wouldn't mind. I I wonder what else they would do. Okay. Um, Wow. When we come to Chinese Democracy on Broken Records, based on that, you're going to find it the best album of all time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Because it sounds like a really bad Chinese Democracy reject, which it half was, I guess, uh, in my opinion, I should say. I think it's just... Like, like, so I, I don't have any problem at all with the fact that it doesn't sound like the classic Guns N' Roses sound. It's not a million miles away from some of the material in Chinese Democracy, and it's not a massive surprise. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a really kind of weathered old version of Modern Haircut by Minus from uh, the um, from the Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ Bobby. Bobby. I mean, like, this is absurd. This is absurd. God, I haven't thought about that. Yeah, and I was like, oh fucking hell, it sounds. Like, and that, I, maybe I like that because I was like. Huh. Sounds like Minus, like a kind of old man doing Minus. It's weird. <laughs> um, I mean, one thing I will say for it, like something that I like about the modern Guns N' Roses sound is it is actually very unique to them because they're kind of taking elements which you're not used to hearing with that kind of voice and that that kind of guitar playing and filtering them through something uh, more industrial and stuff like that. And, and it makes for a quite individualistic sound. Uh, and you know Guns N' Roses have managed to do that a couple of times now throughout their career and most bands can't even get an individualistic sound once in their entire entire career so there you go but um, I just think there's so little to it Um, that riff as you say is uh, it's fairly instant but after you've heard it repeat a few cycles it's pretty boring I mean it's three notes effectively uh, and you know it's not how many notes you play it's how you play them blah 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 but... new metal song in it it's got a bit of slashes doing a bit of like in the background though isn't he that's the bread and slashes like the garnish over the top of it I would say yes I, I mean look I just I just think it's so kind of basic and rudimentary and um, I mean lyrically it's just eye rolling <laughs> you know um and i i can't believe someone would have a lyric like that sitting in their locker for 20 years and not at some point go hmm, maybe i shouldn't put this out <laughs> it's fucking insane axel you mad fucking loon but don't you like how mental it is though because there's another line that i was like fucking hell what was what's the- he talking about oh. like souls on the oh don't make me get it up. <laughs> um, i'm making you Okay, fine. There's a bit where he says, parasitic demons sucking acid through your heart. 
And I was like, blimey. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's quite intense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably directed at me after this review, I don't know. Mm. I just think it is really rudimentary and really basic. I mean, I hadn't really considered new metal, but actually Guns N' Roses going new metal is not a million miles away no. from it. And and I think that the construction of the song is bizarre. You mentioned that weird bit in the middle where it goes all ambient and wibbly woobly and stuff, which is a cool bit, but it sounds like it belongs on a completely different song. The transition from the heavy bit to that bit is just jarring, if anything. I, I think it's objectively a terrible song. <laughs> I think it's really bad. I think that I think a lot of people are expecting a lot because it's Guns N' Roses, and I think I went into it not really giving a fuck about Guns N' Roses, and so I heard it and I was like, oh, this is quite catchy. Yeah, fair. and it talks about maggots and acid hearts, and you know, and it's got quite a, and it, and it reminded me of like Ministry and stuff like that, and I was like, oh yeah, I don't mind this. But you know, you say that oh, when I come to Chinese Democracy, I mean, I have heard Chinese Democracy mm. I did buy it the day it came out. Like I'm not a like I've never heard it before, and you're right. Something like Shackler's Revenge is way better, or the you know the title track is way better. Way better. I'd I'd um, say I'd say. I mean, Shackler's Revenge. The riff on that is just dun gung eh, gung gung eh, gung gung eh. Yes. Is that the song? Uh, yes, yeah. but but there's a lot more to the song overall than just that riff. This this um absurd feels like it is built yeah probably completely and utterly around this one riff, which is a okay riff i mean i think in in the parlance of guns and roses riffs it would be pretty near the bottom um but it's okay it's it's just it's that over and over again i mean i got bored just singing that refrain over once you know it's not very interesting at all there's obvious slashisms on it shouldn't be that surprised if you've heard any of slash's solo material slashing the co-conspirator miles kennedy and slashing the co-conspirators if you've heard any of that you shouldn't really be that i mean to be honest with the exception of a couple of songs on that first slash album i would take this over anything else that he's done because that's exactly the kind of boring ploddy fucking crap phoned in music that i have no fucking interest in whatsoever that kind of rival sonsy boring shit old man music i i can't defend all of slash's solo output but um i would take almost all of it over this song I, this song just feels kind of lazy to me really um and not very fully constructed i like back to cali is the only slash song which i don't think is just fucking oh you're a lie anastasia it's all stuff from the first album right nope yeah. nope second album i purposefully chose stuff from the second album because i knew you'd do <laughs> that i knew you'd fucking do that um but no no like oh, i can't remember i remember to play shit off the slash albums on team Up radio and i was like this is fucking boring rubbish crap music <laughs> And I would take I take three minutes of absurd, just going bene, 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 and just being like simple and a bit like what is this? Yeah. Than some like f- over earnest fucking classic rock knob cheese scraping off the end of your fucking Miles Kennedy's bell end. Oh, rich coming from someone who was quite nice to the last ACDC album, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, uh, look uh, yeah, that's true. It's it, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not like. 
I'm still excited to hear what they will do and what they will come out with. But I think they've already done better versions of this song in, yeah, Shackler's Revenge, Chinese Democracy. Uh, oh my God, the song that was released as part of the End of Days soundtrack, I think is a similar vibe to this and 10 fucking times better. Um, I mean, that track was derided at the time, but I think it was derided because it sounded yeah, it sounded like nothing else. And to be honest, even now, you go back to that song now, it's like, this sounds like nothing else. This is bonkers. But yeah, I as a, as a fan, I was disappointed. But I'm glad you liked it, Steve. I'm genuinely glad you liked it. Do you want to talk about the other news about your other favourite Guns N' Roses song? Sweet Child of Mine got to a billion streams on Spotify. Is that right? One billion streams on... That's a million million. I know, I know. I... That is a that is a number that I cannot even comprehend. That is, is that, bonkers. So is that like the biggest song on Spotify or something? Then, like, what is? I'm pretty sure. So I know that the Sweet Child of Mine video was 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 it the first music video to get over a billion last October? No, tw- uh, 2019 October, I think. I don't know if it is the biggest. I'm sure there must be like some. I mean, WAP's probably bigger, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> Might be. I want to find out now. But yeah, I, I think there's a very small pool of songs on Spotify that are over a billion plays. But yeah, I mean, a billion plays a Sweet Child of Mine, a song that you never want to hear ever again in your life. Which I can understand, yeah. to be honest. I don't want to hear Sweet Child of Mine. I actually feel like running to the hills. It's another song I don't ever want to hear again. <laughs> um, <laughs> every time this song comes anywhere near me i just i don't want to hear it um wap has got 870,908,241 uh plays on spotify wow but then i like it has got that's a billion isn't it 1 billion 261 million 512,336 i like it by cardi b so Cardi B has got 261 million more streams for one of her songs, which, I mean, I don't, I haven't even heard. Uh, so, you know, that's pretty good, though, I guess, for Guns N' Roses. Oh, it's, it's, it's like uh, they're in a very small pool of people who have got yeah. over a billion streams. Guns N' Roses have also actually sold, I don't think Cardi B would have sold about, uh, Guns N' Roses have probably sold about... 70 million physical yeah, exactly. records I don't think although you know um sweet child of mine has probably been on spotify for longer than that cardi b song has been on, on there i would wager mm-hmm. so you know it's all swings and roundabouts blah 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 uh it's just it yeah it was just a i mean i don't think we would have covered that if we hadn't talked about absurd anyway but you know just chuck it in in it because it happened this week chuck it in two songs which one would you rather listen to absurd or sweet, oh, child sweet. Of mine? i mean yeah look I, I know you hate sweet child of mine and I, I get what you're saying about it being overplayed, and I don't disagree. But but Sweet Child of Mine is a fantastic song. Yeah. Like like you know, it is. It, it, that is yeah. undeniable. I still want to listen to Absurd over it though. I do. Uh, the, I, I I get yeah. I get where you're coming from, but but no, yeah yeah. I mean, for me, of course, Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah yeah. yeah. There are songs on that Greta Van Fleet album that I'd rather listen to than Sweet Child of Mine, I think. I just don't ever <laughs> want to hear Sweet Child of Mine ever again. i tell you what I do want to hear, Renfrey, as we zing into the review section. Zing. Is Quicksand. Fuck yes. Just, just Quicksand. Just want to hear Quicksand. Uh, Distant Populations is the fourth full-length Quicksand album, the follow-up to their post-Reformation comeback album, Interiors, from 2017, which was good. 
I, th- I think you're underselling it <laughs> by saying it was good. It's funny. It's really good. It's, it's very, very good indeed. Like, uh, I think interiors, like, I kind of feel like we say a lot, and I think it's been true for a long time, that what we will term comeback records, I know lots of bands don't like that term, but just, just for the sake of being able to describe a record when there's like a 20 year gap or a 15 year gap or whatever the yeah. general perception of comeback records is that they are weak uh and they basically piss on the legacy of said band mm-hmm. but i really feel like we're starting to get so many really great ones we have arab strap this year slow dive released their best record probably ever when they came back in 2017 you got faith no more soul invictus failure the heart as a monster well at the gates and carcass would be two from metal that people would would would, would suggest were i mean certainly i definitely agree with carcass uh-huh. yeah we spoke about at the gates before i mean at the gates their recent record i think is the best of the three that they've released since their comeback but anyway yeah you're right interiors in 2017 was really good and did not shit on the quicksand legacy at all but then i didn't really expect it to because I think a lot of times when you looked at bands who were making comeback records back in the day, they kind of hadn't really been doing anything. And then they just come back and make a, a record. You know, that happened a fair bit. Whereas Walter was in, obviously, Rival Schools. Rival Schools, Walking Concert, Dead Heavens, yeah. Vanishing Life. Uh, he did his own solo album. Um, he he's constantly kept himself busy. Gorilla Biscuits reformed as well, didn't they? Yes, they shows? did, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Gorilla Biscuits. I mean, it's similar to Jonah Matrango, I would say. He 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 has many different projects on the go um, and sort of flits between them all. I, I think, uh, I mean, we sort of discussed this a bit. We did um, Manic Compression, the second Quicksand album, on a writer's review um, quite recently. We did. We sort of discussed our love of Quicksand and Water Trifles there. And what, what I like, I, I said it there, but I'll say it again. What I love about Water Trifles is he just never disappoints i don't think i don't think i've ever heard a project that he's been involved with where i've gone this isn't very good is it you know no obviously there are projects that i like more than others but there's it's always like at the very least interesting um and yeah he's a he's a modern hero who has plugged away uh with little fanfare or certainly with far less fanfare than he deserves um for god 30 odd years now at least isn't it Winters? at least yeah god, youth of today and gorilla biscuits that's like well you're looking at like the late 80s really yeah 87 or something like that so mm-hmm. a, a long fucking time and has just been consistently putting out fantastic records but this is dangerous territory for bands of this ilk i think in this era because the second comeback album mm. we've been here before and it doesn't always work out for whatever reason doesn't always work out that when you come back you can kind of you know like i think that's now becoming a bit of a, a thing although actually even that the first thing that popped into my head i was like well we did the death and Bluff 1979 album earlier this year which is fucking excellent and that was their second album of the the sort of the comeback the reformation so even that's getting tested a little bit at this point but i do think you know one of the first albums we did when we started this podcast, I think it was the second or was it the third comeback Interpol record? I think it was the second it's, album uh, after Interpol. I think it was the second, yeah. Was yeah. And we were like, well, well, the first one was like, you know, kind of okay comeback. And then mm. they sort of lose the allure a bit. I'm going to throw in Refused 
second refused comeback record you know i would just about give freedom a pass this album is very much the exception to that rule this is a fantastic record it's fucking really great and to be honest i think it shows bands like refused how it is possible to age gracefully even if they did deal initially in big riffs and aggression in the manner that quicksand did there are riffs on this record like on colossus which are still that kind of machine-like massive thick slabs of hard guitar but the slight dip in pace and aggression surrounds it and has been replaced by this kind of amazing melodious quality that that walter showcased a lot in you know i think probably in rival schools yeah um particularly is 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 fucking fantastic i mean i think you could say that this record sits in some sort of exact midpoint in the middle of the seesaw between rival schools and quicksand's early material it's funny i i felt exactly the same way i actually feel exactly the same about interiors as well and i think that they Mm. have um it's that growing old gracefully thing that we're talking about isn't it you know and like quicksand still hit really hard when they want to the first three songs on this record are all like bang 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 you know big hitters but then you get to a song like um brushed which is this absolutely fantastic song and like you say walter's melody is just undeniable um probably closer to rival schools than the majority of what quicksand have done in the past i think particularly with this like acoustic guitar intro but then there's this awesome delay effect that goes over in a really expansive chorus that lifts it like so high into the stratosphere if failure were asked to write a quote-unquote simple rock song i think they'd come up with something not too dissimilar to brushed Mm. and 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 i think that is a fantastic thing it it, it vaguely reminded me of uh, undercovers on from united by fate as well i've i've got that this could fit like brushed would have fitted really well on, on united, united by, by fate. fate absolutely yeah that kind of spacey acoustic murmurings with a really odd chorus that still sort of sticks in your brain yeah um that's something that walter is so good at isn't it writing yeah. melodies which are you know they're a little odd and they're a little off kilter and yet they get stuck in your brain and like so so beautiful it's it's beautiful i love walter's songwriting and i love his approach to songwriting um and i mean this is four for four with quicksand isn't it do quicksand have a quote-unquote bad album no 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 not at all um and they've continued that run of form with this amazing record yeah it's just brilliant i mean like i say i think if you like there's not really loads to say on the record in terms of like what you would expect or like from it i mean i think as you rightly say or as we've both sort of said the balance between the more relaxed and there's dubby stuff there's like this incredible dub bass line in um katakana Hmm. which is like it sounds like classic quicksand but when he's not cranking these kind of really like molten piston like riffs out at you you get this kind of really cool lackadaisical bass line same with missile command which you know the vocals yeah. and oh. there's a little bit of kind of behind the beat bass which gives him this really weird juxtaposition when you've got this really kind of stampeding like pounding guitar they're like a kind of jack of all trades master of all trades aren't they <laughs> yeah at this absolutely. point 
um they're just they're just fucking absolutely wicked i think if you're a fan of rival schools and you never managed to check out quicksand before you'll love it if you're a fan of early quicksand and you just were like i remember that band and they were great i think you'll be interested in this and you'll sort of hear something slightly different from the past but not to the point not to the detriment of your overall enjoyment of it um it feels like a a a natural progression for quicksand i would say emdr has a tall riff on it excellent yeah 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 and this album is a really short sharp 33 minutes you know it's in and out and you sort of want to press play on it straight straight away again um i understand what you're saying about that whole thing of like there isn't a lot to say beyond the fact that this is just a great rock record but i think a big part of the reason why i wanted to make this main review apart from the fact that it's fucking excellent it's like i feel like walter Schreifels has been in a plethora of bands who don't have like a story or an angle to them particularly you know essentially it's just great records and brilliant songwriting and so on and so forth and often these records kind of slip by the wayside uh, pun pun unintended (laughs) often these records slip by the wayside because um a lot of publications are reluctant to give features to a band where there's no quote-unquote story to sink their teeth into and you know look i I get it like sadly good music alone doesn't sell magazines and uh it doesn't even get hits on websites uh, you know as as much as if you have a really good story engaged with it but i think something that we try to do and we can do through the podcast medium because we we're just reviewing we're not trying to get like stories from people or anything like that we can like put these bands on a pedestal and go look you you've probably heard of quicksand but there's a large chance that you've never got around to checking them out because there hasn't been a big feature on them or anything like that because there just isn't much of a quote-unquote story to tell and I think it's really important that at the end of the day, a large part of our job is to tell people about great music. Really, that that it should be as simple as that. And I know that there are things that get in the way of doing that. I'm not like having a go at magazines or websites for doing mm. that. I understand why they go for that story angle. But I feel like on through the podcast medium, and I'm not just talking about us, but 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 like through this podcast medium, you can kind of talk about these bands and and raise them up to where they should be because quicksand are one of the most perfect bands we'll talk about on this show ever i would imagine i mean the fact that the foo fighters can put out that bang well i was gonna say a bang average album Pretty, I mean that feels like record, that feels like I'm being incredibly nice about it. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it, it is, and like well, it's a phoned-in load of old shite. Is yeah. what it is that record. And I, um, I love the Foo Fighters, but I don't disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. And then a band like Quicksand, who ultimately are doing, I wouldn't say they're, they're you know, obviously not doing the same thing because you know they're good, but um, <laughs> but they're doing something that is not a million miles. You know, this is not. It's not a million this is miles. Not, away. Because it's not, yeah, it's 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 not, it's not challenging music in the. I mean, we're about to talk about, you know, bands, a couple of bands who, or a couple of artists who are had done, you know, things in their career. I think even back in the day, 
as quick even though quicksand you know they came from that hardcore scene and they brought a lot of melody to it and they changed the way that you know that that, that sort of post hardcore boom of the, the late 80s into the early noughties which i guess became alternative metal or whatever you want to call it like it was it was pretty diff it was pretty different but ultimately it's not massively different it's not a hugely challenging sound you don't put a quicksand record and go oh my god i i can't believe it they just sound great the riffs sound great the vocal delivery is brilliant it's not nothing about it sounds odd walt has got a really lovely kind of fantastic voice and and timber timber, to his voice and texture and stuff and he sounds fuck you know and he sounds fucking brilliant and they just you know they don't try and write 18 minute long i mean you know we'll talk about a band a little bit where you go let's have a little bit of like maybe just chop this down and let it be the the single that it needs to be i was staggered when this record ended and it started again i was like because oh, it, it ended i was listening to it and i was suddenly like hold on this sounds a bit like the first song and then i realized it was the first yeah. song and i was like is it over already yeah yeah like, yeah not exactly in a, not in a bad way not yeah. in a like oh for fuck's sake but like you feel oh God, they, they you not, feel fulfilled you were like yeah but it's like oh my god i i'm more than happy to listen to this yeah exactly a second time straight through again it's like oh i could almost almost have a little bit i was i was thinking this is like track seven i was thinking this is the midpoint of the record because being in the company of quicksand is just such a fucking joy just such a pleasure Absolutely. to be in their to be in their company and they're not they're not the heaviest band in the world they're not the most you know kind of challenging band in the world they're not the most unique band in the world but what they do there's not really anyone else they are a bit i mean i would say failure probably have done more sonically they go to mm-hmm. more areas than mm-hmm. than failure uh um failure go to more areas sonically than quicksand do but it's a similar thing to me where i'm just like god just love being in the mm. just love this coming out of the speakers and going into my ears it's yeah. just fucking rock music played to an exceptional standard yeah and this is the thing i think it's very easy to forget that like <laughs> that's that's all that is required that's all that is needed at the end of the day there's there's a lot of stuff it's just easy for us to forget that sometimes i don't think um quicksand or, or any of Walter's bands really get the credit that they deserve i think the other thing that i'd like to make clear about this record is like we have talked about a few again i'm going to use the term comeback records um from bands from the 90s that we love which we've really enjoyed but then we've also kind of admitted if you're not big into the 90s you might struggle with this um i think you know i love them but life of agony it has a very 90s sound that the new stuff does yeah we did a record by a band that you fucking love which misery loves company misery loves company thank you which again was like I love this record because nostalgia and you love it because nostalgia, but both of us were like, if a 20 year old listened to this, they'd be like, what is this outdated shit? You know, quicksand don't have that at all. This sounds like a modern rock record. So don't be thinking that this is just two old farts going on about the nineties and how wonderful it was. I mean, yes, it is that, but it's also, (laughs) it's also very current and like just a really, really good record. and, And like I said before, Quicksand are one of those bands that people have generally heard of, but not actually listened to. They, you know, it, it, in a lot of cases, not in all cases, obviously, but in a lot of cases, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm aware of Quicksand, but I've never actually bothered to check them out." Do yourself a favor and listen to this record, and then listen to their other three records, and get on board the Quicksand train because they are just 
like they don't have a bad record i'm not to i don't think they have a bad song really um on the manic compression no. uh writer's review that we did you said that manic compression was a nine out of ten and slip was like a 12 out of 10 or something mm. like that which i think i kind of agree with you on um and i mean this is this is right up there with the the best stuff they've done in my opinion and sometimes they've there's... never got anywhere close to going to a low eight in my in my head i think i'd agree i mean even even now i feel like if i'm being the harshest i can ever be i think in i, like, I actually think this is better than interiors to be honest but so I do i in, in interiors would be a, a a middle eight or a high eight it's really great it was i went back and listened to it the other day i was like this is fucking excellent yeah and it's probably the worst album of their career it, it madness like if i had to choose yes i'd probably say interiors is my least favorite this is an album by the way which got into my top 20 in 2017 it was just scraped into the top 20 uh at number 20 um but you know this is the level of quality that we're talking about i just i implore you because very few other out you know other outlets will review this and go oh yeah quicksand are great but then that'll be it listen to quicksand they are fucking amazing and this is another brilliant quicksand record which i'm going to be playing over and over again for the rest of the year i imagine and by the way I was, when i was talking about the bass but if you're not aware it's sergio from deftones by the way yeah so that should be enough to make you you know if you haven't listened to quicksand but you like deftones this should be enough just that alone i mean obviously they're a massive influence on deftones yes rather yes. than the other way around yes by the way anyway quicksand distant populations is out now it actually comes out today if you listen to this podcast today it comes out the only one <laughs> this week that we're doing it actually comes out today so let's move on this comes out next week this record it's Wolves of the Throne Room, Primordial Arcana, the seventh full-length album from the US Kings of eco-black metal, I've written. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. They're very in touch with nature, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Yeah. This is a follow-up to the quite superb Thrice Woven mm. album, which came out in 2017, which I thought was an excellent excellent record but then i'd have to say i just really like wolves in the throne room i think they're really really good uh celestial lineage which came out in 2011 i want to say is is really good i that think the first right. thing of theirs yeah um i really really like that i pretty much like everything i've ever heard of wolves in the throne room really i think maybe black cascade was the first thing of theirs that i ever listened to and it was when i was just trying to get into like more black metal -y stuff and i was a bit like oh i don't know what this i don't really know what this is um and i struggled a bit that's the one before celestial lineage isn't it? yeah 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 but like by the time celestial lineage came out i was like yes it's good and i pretty much liked everything of theirs that's come out since that period they are a really really good band and and, and, I, and would, I would agree with you very consistent as well very consistent. very consistent and the thing i really like about wolves in the throne room because i did have to think about this quite I was like, why do i like wolves in the throne room more than i like a lot of other bands i guess mm. would be considered similar um they for especially for a black metal band that was a style that i don't go in for and load i feel like they've got a very identifiable sound their mix of kind of folk black metal smoky sort of eastern elements and psychedelics really marks them out for me as a band who are quintessentially different from a lot of their peers 
I would say. I totally get what you're saying because um, I do agree with you, but it is quite subtly individual, isn't it? Mm. Um, And it is, and it is difficult to kind of put your finger on why their sound is identifiably them. And I think you've you've more or less nailed it. But yeah, it's it's a tough it's it, but it is a tough one. It's a tough one to get your to get your head around, really. Um, I like Walls in the Throne Room a lot. I think they are a very good band. I'd I'd say I'm a I'd say I'm a casual fan overall. I think this is only the third Walls in the Throne Room album I've heard in full. The others being Celestial Lineage and Thrice Woven, which I agree with you is uh, was a great record actually. And I think I listened to Celestial Lineage probably a little bit before black metal really hit me generally mm-hmm. and it was one of those ones where i was like well i can tell this is a good album but you know this isn't really you know what i listen to and then a couple of years later sunbather by death heaven came out and i got it all of a sudden but um yeah i think i think this is a, a absolutely a continuation of the walls in the throne room uh sound and and a continuation of their exploration into their black metal kind of uh roots and their expansiveness the word majestic has been thrown around quite a lot um in regards to this album which is perfectly fair enough there's plenty of times where it does sound majestic i raised a bit of an eyebrow because i was like haven't walls in the throwing room always been majestic (laughs) like it's it's hardly a new thing for them but that is the word that seems to be thrown around with it the stuff that marks them out as a band i don't think primordial arcana or arcana is particularly uh it's not a massive stylistic leap into the unknown for walls and throne room yeah this definitely sounds like walls and throne room i guess after what are we talking now like when their first album come out 2004 i want to say i think they've been around 20 years or so now walls yeah they've been around a long time 2006 was the the debut album oh okay 15 Um, years but yeah yeah um but still you can't really expect seven albums down the line people to be making those kind of that much change particularly in quite a difficult genre as well Mm. um i'd say their progression from record to record is slow but steady um Mm. and there are progressions from record to record but they're 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 slight they're they're subtle i think Listen to the last 90 seconds of the second song, Spirit of Lightning, which is really cool. Just this sort of twang of something alien in the background. And it's a record that, like, this just comes in, like, boom, there you go. Black metal, rah, blast beats, killer, killer, killer. It starts really heavy, and it slowly, over the course of a sort of six-and-a-half-minute runtime, that song in particular, deconstructs itself, which is quite an unusual thing for a black metal band to do, because, especially like a kind of post-black metal band, as well or any kind of post something band because usually formulaically you start small don't you and you get bigger and bigger and bigger and you Mm. swell to a crescendo Mm. Mm. and then you maybe drop it out and then you kind of come back again to end whereas actually what walls and throne room have done structurally is do the complete opposite of that now obviously that doesn't sound like the most unique idea ever but it kind of feels unique because you hear so much of it being done in the formulaic way hence why it's formulaic so i really appreciate them doing that and it shows that they're behaving in a way which is slightly different to your just run-of-the-mill type of band i agree just just to give another example which is going to seem like a really small detail um but i think it is an example of why they think outside of the box compared to a lot of their contemporaries 
there's a really highly strung instrument on that song um you know not highly strung in a moody way i mean highly strung as <laughs> i mean highly strung as in the, the strings are very tight and taut is what i mean uh and you know when you have a string that tight it sort of deadens the sound and they use i'm not sure what the instrument is but whatever it is they use it as a sort of drone which goes throughout the song and usually a drone is like a long uh languorous note like that's a pretty good drone there quite liked that quite um a good drone, yeah thank you um seven out of ten um seven out of ten <laughs> um but you know they use this as a sort of drone effect by just plucking it again and again and again but it's just like you're utilizing a concept that i'm familiar with but you're doing it in a different way and i think we've just given two examples of walls and the throne round from doing that on this record and i think that's where their strengths lie they do kind of um little twists on the formula and mm. over a whole record it's enough to make you go yeah this is this is familiar and yet different i agree yeah, yeah. really do i mean they are you know saying that like that there's bits where they do sound like a fairly i don't want to say bog standard black metal band but like on the first song magic mountain it comes in and you're just going well it's blasting and it's screaming and it's this and it's black icy and it's black metal but it's the way that they use they use space they use different mm. tonality they use a lot of different instruments and it's enough for them to even when they are doing the again it sounds rude to call it bog standard but when they're doing the kind of i guess the standard black metal bits that mm. you need to put in to be a black metal band um it's still enough for them to be interesting and there's something sort of both euphoric and primal about walls in the throne room which i really love and i think they nail that feeling of the sort of the grim dirtiness of black metal alongside some kind of higher uh, it's going to sound wanky as fuck to say spiritual but a kind of more spiritual thing as well like those horns at the start that usher in primal chasm gift of fire are amazing and you yeah. get this kind of behemoth style pomp and ceremony alongside it and it's just it's just fucking awesome. Mm, just mm. they just they just sound fucking awesome. Mm. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I I understand what you were saying about Magic Mountain. Like, Magic Mountain is a really good song, um, but in terms of this record, it probably is the most. I'm going to say straight ahead rather than than bog standard, but it is the most straight ahead black metal thing on it. And whilst it is a great song, it's probably the least exciting thing on here because of that. Um, I think um, a highlight for me is probably Underworld of Horror. Aurora, sorry. Absolutely, yeah. Best song, definitely. Which begins definitely. with this synth part, which is almost, uh, I don't know, oriental in its composition, I'd say. Uh, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing anyway, but it's really cool to see that influence here, especially with the sweeping strings that come in and build and uh, to those more traditional black metal elements. But hearing those kind of oriental-type things with black metal um isn't super common i don't think says man who listens to like 10 black metal records a year <laughs> but you know I, I i haven't heard it loads and, and and you know when when i say that the keyword that's flying around about this record is is majestic i mean that is the song where you go this is majestic black metal brilliantly mm. done you know i mean i actually got kind of 80s goth yeah. mixed with kind of pay, pagan metal at the start of that. Yeah, I was like yeah. this could have been on the Lost Boys soundtrack if they didn't want to make it a comedy film <laughs> yeah or a shit film um, 
No, no, because it's not a shit film, is it? Because so, mm. you know, I don't think they would have. Wa- you think they wanted to make it a shit film? Do you? That's what yeah, you think they went. Let's go. Out of my own. <laughs> Let's make this shit. Oh wow, everybody loves it because it's brilliant. Uh, I what mean, we-, we were trying to make it shit, apart from one miserable cunt. <laughs> <laughs> go on Metacritic and see what people think of the Lost Boys Renfrey while we're. Here. I don't think it'll be on there, but I'll, I'll have a quick look. You keep talking. Okay. Um. And then it goes grinding and dirty. It is excellent form. It's my favourite song on the record, definitely. Could have been lifted from like the scary bits of Legend or Willow, I think. Do you know what I mean? Like it's got that kind of horrible. I guess Mortis tried to do it. It's like if, if Mortis was good. Do you know what I mean? Like it does feel like it. <laughs> oh, poor Mortis. Poor Mortis. Very quick deviation. Uh, the Lost Boys has a score. <laughs> yeah. I love it when I'm right. Of 63. But that was back when people reviewed films sort of honestly, wasn't it? And it's probably like Cisco and Ebert <laughs> and those people who are quite hoity-toity about films. Someone uh, at Variety gave it one out of ten. Did they? What, back in the day? Mm, I don't know. This Variety thing said, The Lost Boys is a horrifically dreadful vampire teen exploitation entry that daringly advances the theory that all those missing children pictured on garbage bags and milk cans are actually the victims of blood-sucking bikers. It's not a very good quote, but there you go. Not a very good review. No, no, that's a stupid thing to say. It's totally <laughs> undermined his entire review. <laughs> anyway, Masters of Rain, uh, Rain and Storm starts. This is another thing, right? Fucking black metal band, but Masters of Rain and Storm starts like classic Morbid Angel, doesn't it? Mm. Death metal, Morbid. I was like, fuck me, Morbid Angel. They're doing Morbid Angel. It's got that kind of clang thing on it, and it sounds evil as fuck. It's yeah. awesome. And that's just the start. It's 10 minutes. So when he starts like that, you know it's going to be a right old journey. And it is. You get all these kind of acoustic parts, and big, long, psychedelic things at the end. Um, and it ends with a sort of little three-minute synth um, thing called Eostre, which is like a little outro, and it's fine. But those last two songs, um, as we mentioned, Underworld Aurora and Masters of Rain and Storm, I think are fucking amazing absolutely agree um the only thing i'll pick you up on i think eostra is um much better than just you know sort of fine i think um it's the kind of thing that you might hear in a spa it's almost like a new age kind of tranquil kind of reminded me a little bit of some of the material that devon townsend did on ghost um and it's only a three and a half minute instrumental and and it is very easy to be like okay yeah that's just like a short little thing at the end but i think if you didn't have that last instrumental bit on the album, the breadth of the record would be significantly reduced. And hence, whilst I think, once again, it subtly lifts the record, um, I think without it, the record would actually be significantly worse because it completely moves the goalposts in terms of how broad the actual album is. And I think it's just a really lovely way to end what has been, you know, it's a black metal record on this <laughs> quite hard and heavy so i actually mm. think there's yeah it, it is easy to look at that as a interlude track of sorts or an outro track i suppose is more accurate but i actually think it's much more important to the sound of the record as a whole than you're giving it credit for if i'm honest okay so, yeah i mean i didn't think it was i didn't think it was rubbish i was just like oh it's a yeah. you know a way to end end the record yeah uh, and it's fine i mean look this is another great metal record in a really a year full of really great metal records and i think i don't know maybe because i expect so much from walls in the throne room that maybe i didn't i didn't go oh my god as much as i did for the other some of the more surprising releases that i wasn't aware of over the year in this field but i think when this album is good as i mentioned the last two songs 
it's as good as anything in metal as you will hear this year. And I kind of not, maybe I'm not going as mad for it because I just think Wolves in the Throne Room are maybe victims of their own success that they are spectacularly, spectacularly consistent yeah. all the time. All of their records are always like, wow, this mm. is awe-inspiringly great. Um, but it is really fucking good, this record. Really good. Yeah, I do agree at its height is it is as good as anything that's been released in metal this year. I, I mean, I don't think it is... It is those two songs, really, isn't it? It's um, uh, Underworld, Aurora, and Masters of Rain, Storm, where you're like, oh, my God, this is absolutely fantastic you know uh well, you know which is around about 18 minutes of the record so it's a fairly significant chunk um i couldn't say that of the rest of the album if i'm honest you know when i think about dune ruins of beverast um mm-hmm. even even um, tribulation and um, yeah i i you know i couldn't quite say that but yes at its height it is it is the same standard as the very best stuff that's come out this year i chuck in spirit of lightning as well yeah that's probably fair yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a great great song so out of seven you've got like i think you've got two you've got a, a, a three minute outro which yes you're right is essential to the sound of the record but in terms of the actual big songs on the record i think you've got three great ones you've got um i mean we didn't talk about through eternal fields which i think is probably similar to magic mountain in a lot of ways but primal chasm gift of fire as well i think is pretty good but i think you've got like three really really great songs two pretty good songs and one which is just fine (laughs) okay yeah yeah okay um glad we agree primordial arcana by walls of the throne room that is out right now let's move on to our next album which came out last week um it comes from nars king disease 2 the second part of nars's king disease i don't know how many of these he's doing but he did one last year which came out uh in 2020 um as the first part apparently there is going to be i'm not sure how many of the king disease series we're going to get i'm not sure what kind of differentiates them as well from a lot of like nazi's <laughs> other albums but um it's uh this is the second part of the east coast rap legends king disease thing and uh, it's Nas's 14th studio album overall in his entire career. But has he ever betted his first one? No. Um, <laughs> no, he hasn't. <laughs> just, let's just put that out there straight away. Now, here's the thing about Nas, right, as an artist. Now, I have to be perfectly honest. And there are people going to give me some fucking shit for this, right? I, I think it's all right to be an artist with one absolutely fucking exceptional album and then a lot of you know pretty good albums and some great stuff dotted around your career and i think that's essentially what what nas is to me he is an amazingly um dexterous and eloquent mc um he has he is you know he has been part of the fabric of and the tapestry of, of the importance of the journey of hip-hop um from the kind of early 90s as a i guess you'd call it kind of sub underground subculture into the biggest musical movement on the planet as which is what it is right now um the famous lore and stories of 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 hip-hop's past um his beef with jay-z um the kind of his implication by tupac as 
you know the the east coast west coast feud um even though i mean you know there's a song on this record uh death row east which is practically begging people to shut the fuck up about that and um was you know sort of saying that he was in the process of getting together with tupac and that you know he was uh, people who know about this stuff obviously will know that nas was pretty distraught that he was implicated in anything to do with having some sort of you know beef with tupac as he was you know huge fan of his um you know he's been voted the second best lyricist ever by source magazine um mtv was in the top five mcs ever as voted for by mtv like he is good um and you know it was written i think is a really good album i like god's son when it came out i remember that being really good um you know nas has had an unbelievable career an unbelievable career saying all that though i i'm fairly i'm not fairly i'm not a huge fan of his ilmatic is amazing no one's gonna say any different well, somebody might. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think anyone who right. says that, uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think that's definitely an incredibly that is an, an essential record. It's a gr- it's a great album in 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 an area of hip hop which I personally don't like, but it's clear it's clearly a great album. Yeah. Okay. I mean that's fair enough. That's fair enough. It's a t- it's a taste thing. Yeah. Uh, but look, no one's saying that Nas isn't important. No one's saying that Nas isn't good. I'm just saying, personally, there's a lot of stuff that he's done in his career that I am not fussed about, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I think the shadow, I think even he himself, it's a bit like Rancid. Rancid know Outcome the Wolves is what everybody wants. Mm. Right? They know that. They're not yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah. And I think probably even Nas knows that Illmatic, you know, he's released a live album of Illmatic, doing it in full. You know, he's it's been released god knows how many times with extra bits like put on the end of it yeah he yeah, knows yeah. He, he knows that Illmatic's the fucking money maker mm, do you know what i mean mm, mm. and obviously he's gone on to do lots of other things i'm not saying that some of it's really really good some of it's not so good i i am a very casual nas fan mm. if, if 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 you can you can call me a fan at all mm. of him as a person um Renfrey, do you want to to add to this? Oh, absolutely I do. Some of you listeners may be very, very surprised to learn indeed that I actually brought this one to you, Steve. Um, Because I was having a little rummage around Metacritic, my favourite website in the entire world, according to some people. Uh, And I noticed that this new album has a score of 96 out of 100 on Metacritic, making it the currently as we record this now currently the most critically acclaimed album of the year on metacritics Mm. aggregate list thing blah 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 that's based on seven reviews uh actually earlier in the week when i looked at it it was actually on 98 with uh based on four reviews but it's gone down to 96 now and you know I, i sent you a little message during the week and i said have you seen this because you know, look, we all know that of the two of us, I know less about hip hop than 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 you do. Um, but even I am aware that the general consensus, and I'm sure there are people who will disagree with this, but the general consensus is Illmatic, absolutely astonishing genre classic. And then 
he released some other stuff as well <laughs> like to put it simplistically i think that is what a lot of people think about nas to be fair yeah a little bit harsh to say i mean i even i as someone who i'm i mean i'm i'm really not going to bat for nas that hard i've got to be honest but even i think that's a bit harsh but okay yes i think gen you know i know i mean i have like i've got a mate who i used to go to college with who is probably responsible for a lot of the like me getting into hip-hop around the sort of mid 90s and he fucking hated Nas. i mean nas had about three or four albums out by the time we were sort of hanging around and he fucking hated nas and there was a lot of people that i would speak to like a lot and his friend group as well they were like oh he's a fucking like he's oh he's shit he's shit and i was like really he's shit like that's mad but like i don't know he had a really strong like ugh, reaction to nas and i'm not I, I i never really knew why that was to be honest but um because everything i heard i was like this is pretty good and certainly when i heard ilmatic i was like well this is really fucking good i mean i i would chuck in i think i think i actually heard it was written before i heard ilmatic back mm. in the day mm. um and i i mean i thought i thought that was really good uh, when i first heard it with no other context i was like it was written oh, i was fucking this is a this is a wicked album and then i heard ilmatic and i was like oh my god dude, okay that's you know it, it's like hearing the black album and then hearing master of puppets mm. do you know what i mean where mm. you just go fucking all right fair enough yeah mm. i can mm. see why mm. everyone goes a bit more crazy on that so yeah but like harsh on us but anyway yeah you're right this has had a really I mean, I'm looking at it now. Um, Clash Magazine gave it 7 out of 10. But The Independent 5, Enemy 5, The Line of Best Fit, 9 out of 10, Exclaim 8 out of 10. It appears to have been very, very, very well reviewed. Now, I'm not sure, like, that actually, looking at it with, you know, the kind of 8s and the 7s, makes a little bit more sense. I think in a year where, look, you know, the Dave album is completely different to this completely different yeah. it'd be like us reviewing the Judas Priest album and going well you know that last Code Orange album was a lot better than this so you know like well, whatever like they're completely different sides of the coin but I think in a year where like this is a style of music which evolves far more rapidly than guitar music does and um, I'm not and I think in a year where there's been some really like amazing I mean obviously like I think the Genesis of Wusu Tyler the Creator and the Dave album loom quite large over everything anything of its ilk surrounding it I would say um, and I'm not sure that this album does anything that makes it as special as those reviews are making it out to be I would say personally yeah. there are you know there is some Nas is incredibly as I said incredibly literate as he always is mm -hmm. I think and I, I, I kind of as an MC um, from let's call it let's call it the golden era of hip hop shall we um, that's what everyone else seems to be calling it yeah, yeah I, I do commend him for being one of those MCs who seems capable of utilising and fitting in with more kind of modern trap production even if mm -hmm. I don't really like that stuff so much myself I think that a lot of people seem to be attributing that to Hit Boy, who produced this record, and uh, mm -hmm. King's Landing as well. So yeah, and a lot yeah. of people are lavishing praise on Hit Boy for that. Yeah, I mean, I think Nas rides it quite well, but I don't. I mean, I think stuff like like Store Run, the opening song, um, the pressure, musically that more classic sounding stuff, where I feel like he's really in his in his element. Um, 
there's a song on it called Moments that's got a real kind of summary old old school sort of soul feeling to it. I like Moments. And I like the, um, yeah. the the sax on on Moments. Uh, mm. It's just irresistible, isn't it? That kind of Barry White, Marvin yeah. Gaye thing. It's I, great. I think he's he's much more successful in that than he is when he leans in on like as the YKTV and it's more modern production and it's he can do it, but it's a little bit less successful. And I think. I don't care so much about style. I think it's all right. But I think hearing him marry that kind of old school sound with a lot of this album is reflective about the past. You know, like there's so much of this album, which is about kind of reflecting upon um, him coming up and his past and stuff. And I think you get, you know, as as an artist, you get to a certain age where, you know, you can you can do that and it, fans from a from from a long time ago will hear that and go, oh, this just sounds, you know, brilliant and classic. And I think there's a lot of this record where i'm like yeah you know like he sounds great kind of reminiscing on the past in a soulful kind of more lackadaisical way and that really works mm-hmm. um but it's there's a bit of a split isn't there i think is is what's the problem here yeah i mean well just to echo some of the things that you said there a lot of the praise for this record seems to be the way that it is captured that uh as you refer to it the golden age of hip-hop there um maybe up to sort of late 90s and early noughties as well i know the golden age is kind of considered sort of late 80s to mid 90s that's more or less accurate isn't it yeah i guess so i mean you could probably give it a full-blown decade of yeah fine fine you know depending on what you like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, people will argue about this shit forever Yeah, yeah yeah um and i can't be fucked to do that but i can i can you know i i i can hear that even with my sort of limited knowledge of hip-hop i can hear that this is very reminiscent of that stuff it feels very old school and turns from eminem and lauren hill and epmd i think highlight that even further um you're right it is referred to as the golden age of hip-hop it is probably <laughs> classic Remfrey, my least favorite era of hip-hop so i suppose that doesn't help um but you know it is like th- the stuff that i like the least about hip-hop generally um because it's where all that gangster shit comes in and all that kind of bollocks and i just find all that stuff absolutely eye-rolling mm. i you- Okay, I mean, I, I think that we, if I'm right, if I'm like, if if I'm wrong, then then tell me because you know, like you know. Well, I would I say do. when you when you get to shit like when you get to like, I mean, I would, for me, like even if you're a bit like, oh, some, you know, I have a kind of moral aversion to that stuff. I think when you get into the mid, when you get in the kind of post Fifty Cent world, where it's a, when rather than it being about the street, it's almost about like I've Bentleys and fucking, I mean, shit like the game, no like do you know what i mean uh, there's a lot of the kind of i guess that's probably that's pretty fair yeah. post post get rich or die trying stuff hmm. i mean i remember my ex-girlfriend's brother had the games album and i was just like this is fucking rubbish like, yeah absolutely fucking rubbish but anyway yeah but that, on, that was the second it. wave of that stuff wasn't it basically yeah you yeah. know so so yeah i mean i agree entirely um but you know um i i think i think there is very much it's very much looking back to that kind of thing and you know i think it captures that sound pretty well but as you pointed out this genre does move forward quite quickly and um I guess you could find this nostalgic if you really, really like that stuff, but it seems completely fucking insane. I know things come around and they, you know, they go in cycles and all this sort of thing, 
But to my ears, when you have a Dave or a Killer Mike or a Davy Diggs or whatever, I mean, I just think, I, like, I'm not suggesting in any way whatsoever that Nas doesn't have anything to say. It's just for the most part, I don't fucking care. I just don't care. And, you know, is Nas trying to make me care like Renfrey Deadman? No, of course not. I doubt it. I'm not his target market. But I don't think Killer Mike or David Diggs or Dave were expecting or hoping to make someone like me care either. And yet they did. And that kind of sort of says to me that there's a big disparity between the quality there, for my money anyway, at least. Um, well, it's just a different thing, isn't it? I mean, I think it's just a, it's just a, again, I think this is like, I think comparing, I don't want to compare Nas to Dave because I think they're completely different. They are, they are completely different and yeah but I, but the, but the thing is the one the one thing is what you're saying what you're basically saying is is does this music move me one of them does one of them doesn't i guess so yeah 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 yeah. i guess so and that's just taste and that's absolutely fine and i would say there's you know if we are going to look at kind of stylistically why that might be you know the dave album is an intense listen it grabs and 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 demands your of of your attention hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Dave, as a vocalist, as a rapper, as a performer, he is demanding of your attention. I think Nas, there are things on this record that are a bit more. It's a, it's a subtler thing. I don't, and I don't even think. I mean, he's obviously not aiming for. This is no kind of. This is not social commentary, particularly. Like you know, this is not any kind of. There's not any kind of strong, angry rhetoric on this album. This is actually just a fairly like. These are the things that I have seen. Mm. that's what this record is and i think that's absolutely perfectly fine for for a, an artist of his vintage if that's what he, how he feels he needs to express himself do you think that's engaging though well i think there are moments on this record that are really engaging and i oh, think obviously yeah, yeah yeah moments yeah there are moments. you know so. i think there are lots of things i mean i would say i mean let's talk about the guest spots for a minute i think eminem comes in and he sounds like the Eminem of old, which I think is a really cool spot. I think he kind of Eminem sounds great on this. He sounds yeah. really good. Mm. Lauren Hill. Um, I mean, you said to me, oh, I don't think her verse is as good as people are making out. I mean, dude, just hearing Lauren Hill's voice, I don't think she smashes it like she might have done a decade ago, mm. but she's fucking Lauren Hill. And she I, just sounds fucking awesome. I, I think. think it's really fucking nice to hear her because let's face it, you don't hear her very much these days at all. And it is nice to hear her voice again. But, you know, apparently the internet exploded um, when people heard that Lauren Hill was going to be mm. on this. And I think there's a lot of people who are going crazy about the idea of Lauren Hill being on a record again rather than the actual verse. Because it's good, but she's done far better. And, and the fact that she's going on about I don't need to be in this game anymore because I'm better than all of you and then doing something which is by her standards a tiny bit half-assed mm. yeah, okay, yeah 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 fair enough um, I, I mean there, there's stuff in here that like no phony love with Charlie Wilson does the kind of saccharine R&B thing and as I was listening to it I was like I assume that you don't care for that at all fuck no um, <laughs> boring <laughs> I, actually, I, I didn't mind it personally I think the second half of the record kind of runs out of steam again at 51 mm. minutes and mm. 16 tracks i do feel like the record you kind of go in well i think you've said i i don't like is it engaging to a point i think yes it is i think nas has 
a really great a really good flow i think i actually like this love the sound of you know they get like we've mentioned lauren hill and eminem i think you know you get like you mentioned epmd coming as well i think they get swallowed a little bit by eminem i think kind of everybody does yeah yeah yeah. eminem like poor it's really good on that yeah yeah um but you know there's enough of it where i go oh yeah you know because this is basically like oh yeah you know the 90s (laughs) exactly yeah but i suppose i suppose i'm just so like I, I guess I'm being harsh on this because of the reaction to it and just going, why? Why why are people going mad for this when, like, when it's not that exciting, really? And I, it just does feel to me that it's a nostalgia thing. When Back to the Shack came out by Weezer mm. um, and Back to the Strap with a lightning strap and everyone went, there it is, he's talking about the... And people, like, people love that shit. And I think this album yeah. is a bit of that. But I guess if you're not invested and never have been invested in any of the things that he's referring to you're probably not going to get like that excited about it and i mean not not only am i not invested i think a lot of it is fucking eye-rollingly stupid and has resulted in tragedy and death which could have been easily avoided if people didn't have so much ego and um didn't look at each other and go oh well you're on a different coast to me so therefore you're my enemy which is about as stupid as looking at the color of someone's skin and going well you've got different color skin to me so therefore i don't like you and you're my enemy it's pretty much well, the same I, thing isn't it i i wouldn't i wouldn't disagree with that but i think i mean the song in question death row east i think is something where he's going it's him saying i can't believe how stupid this was yeah i mean 20 years too late well no 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 it isn't because he's been saying you know that this is no, not the um, first i mean that is he unfair. says Nars has is... been saying that for a long time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, yeah that, really like, fucking long but, time. but 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 uh, some reviews have really jumped on that song as like this absolutely incredible moment and i'm, I'm just kind of like look that whole stuff i'm not trying to belittle it at all if people think that i'm saying this and trying to belittle it i, I think that is a genuine tragedy that came out of a really nasty toxic male thing which continues to be celebrated is the wrong word but i think even continuing to go on about it is just it the whole thing just feels really and i do appreciate that nas is saying in the song can we stop fucking going on about it but there's also a bit of a contradiction there isn't there by writing a song saying can we stop going on about it and it's yeah and i'm just you know and there is a really like powerful moment that the the sample at the end of that song mm-hmm. um do you have the name of the mc off the top of your head there's an, i don't know. there's an mc that comes on during nasa's show um and 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 and, and actually says that uh, Tupac has been shot has died, and yeah. has died, and 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 you know, and and it, and it is like the hairs on my back of my neck came up, and all this, it's, you know, that is a like a moment. But so many of the reviews, particularly the really slavishing ones, are putting so much attention on that song, and I think we kind of need to stop doing that because whether they are intentionally doing it or not. You are glamorizing that. It's just such a, you know, it's like the people aren't going to stop talking about Kurt Cobain. The people aren't going to stop talking about Ian Curtis. I mean, we did a fucking massive thing. You know what I mean? I just think it's, it's too big a story that like people will talk about it forever. I mean, people do still talk about Ian Curtis and Kurt Cobain, but very rarely in songs themselves. I'm not saying that never happens, but it is pretty rare. 
But hip hop has this really self-referential thing where those topics are brought up again and again and again within the music itself. And I think we would, well, certainly I would criticise any artist or band for bringing up the same topic over and over and over again. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say we eradicate Tupac and Biggie at all from musical history. That period is fascinating and there's a ton of great documentaries on the subject that are really brilliant. I think it's really important to explore those things within a documentary context. But when you explore it within the music itself, it does take on a glamorization element that I personally find extremely uncomfortable, even when it is clear, as it is on this particular song, that the artist's intent isn't to glamorize it. Look, no, no, I, I wouldn't deny, I, I absolutely wouldn't deny that. I'm just mm. saying is mm. that, that this is, people will, I watched a documentary the other week about the last month of John Lennon's life and, mm. and, mm. Yeah, and I, you know, it was like him juxtaposing him alongside Mark Chapman, which yeah. you could go, well, why, why are you, this fucking guy who's just a, a loser who was a security guard loser who shot john lennon yeah. and you're 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 charting his days alongside john lennon's mm -hmm. so why you know and and but i watched it yeah. and i know that story yeah. fucking inside out do you know Look, what i mean like why am i why am i even watching it because it's, it's morbid curiosity and i'm not saying is, that yeah. i'm not saying that I, <laughs> I i fucking listen to serial killer podcasts and watch all that like i'm big into true crime and all that kind of thing i'm not saying that i'm you know above that stuff or anything like that but the constant like going back to that era and evaluating it and re-evaluating it at the end of the day it is a bunch of people who lived on opposite sides of the country who had beef with each other for that reason and that reason alone it's fucking eye-rollingly dumb and we should stop talking about it like it was this massive important deal it was this fucking stupid i mean it's embarrassing and it turned in to something genuinely tragic and like it's interesting like eminem's verse on this he he talks about all the hip-hop artists who have passed away in the last year and it's a really long list it's a it's a it's mm. a really depressingly long list and and a lot of those reasons aren't anything to do with you know what happened with Tupac and all that kind of thing but there's just this glamorization of this stuff and, and as, as, as I say I don't think these people are intending to glamorize it but by doing what they're doing I think they are anyway um, I think that is a byproduct of what they are doing and I just think it needs to fucking stop. Yeah. Um, it's probably not going to. But no, it's no. not going to. But, but, it, but it should do. It's like, like yeah, it's maybe, really yeah. fucking toxic. And it's it's ridiculous that people are so enamoured with that era still, especially when you consider what's actually happening in the genre right fucking now. Um, and, and what's happening in the genre right now is so fucking positive and forward thinking and progressive and so much more interesting than any of that shit i'm sorry but it fucking is oh it is into fucking no, 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 it is. shaky waters certainly you're losing musically, me a bit mate certainly musically mm. it is far more interesting by 2021 standards then you can yeah i mean like what you know i'm talking fucking... i'm only talking about the last couple of years you know i'm not i'm not but but yeah yeah it's it's it is you yeah, know but i'm saying you, and you can't take an album from 1994 out of context and drop it into 2021 and expect it to be as forward thinking and cutting edge as a record that has come out in the last six months you can't take the backwash album no you know, look how forward thinking and da, 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 it, and then take illmatic and go well listen to illmatic it doesn't sound as of course you can any more than you can take i don't know fucking f far beyond driven and plonk it next to underneath by code orange that's, and go, ki that's kind of my point king's disease too you could 
like it could have come out in 1994 almost apart from some of the things that are being actually talked about certainly in terms of the way that it's put together and it's the music of it and all that sort of thing and and it feels like an album has been taken from 1994 and plonk there and you know some people are going to be nostalgic for that and good for them i hope you enjoy this record but mm. you kind of proved my point you just said you, you can't compare the two things so it's, so it's like well, why are you trying to hark back to that stuff then don't fucking do it well, I, this is, I mean, God, it's not like rock bands don't do this every every fucking week. We talk about rock bands doing exactly this. Yeah, and I moan about them as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't do, I? To, a, to so... a point, to a point. But we're also like, oh, you know, like it sounds great. It sounds really kind of, you know, nostalgic. If you're nostalgic for the 90s, then, you know, you're like, um, oh God, who did we say a few weeks back? Well, there's loads in there. There's always one um, or two or three. And, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the, this musically i don't really have a problem with it thematically either i just think it's not a five out of five record it's not a Fuck 10 no. out of 10 record it's a decent nas record i think that tails off a little bit um towards the end i don't think i'm not upset about any of the content of any of it i'm not kind of offended by any of the content of, of it i'm not like do you know what i mean i think it's a perfectly acceptable hip-hop album from an elder statesman from hip-hop trying to kind of navigate a way to bridge his older fan base with what's going on now i don't I th that that's what i think of it personally yes when you put it up against the dave album or the title of the album yeah it's not as good yeah but i don't think it's i don't think it's completely worthless oh the, okay you know. yeah, do, look, i've i've, I've no, I, I, i'm I know not, you're not insinuating saying that, but... that this is worthless or anything like that i i think this is uh i i guess i'm only i'm going in quite harsh on it because i do not understand the critical reception to it at all i'm like completely flummoxed by the critical reception to it and i'm not offended by it or anything like that i'm, I'm actually not offended by the record i'm if anything i'm more offended by the reaction to it because i'm like why are you continuing to put this stuff on a pedestal i i think it's absolutely ridiculous to keep kind of peddling this this thing and seeing this thing as the golden age of hip-hop and all that kind of thing i don't think that is progressive in any way it's actually it's not nas that i have an issue with more so than the people who have exalted this record to that position which i just think is fucking insane when you look at what else is going on in in this genre at the moment it's absolutely mad yeah, but, you know, when Liam Gallagher has an album out, that'll get five out of five in The Enemy. When fucking Metallica drop their next album, that'll get 5Ks. You know, big artists get good reviews, man. They just do. Like, we know it. You know, we know that to be the case. To an extent, what you're saying is true, but, you know, not as across the board as this has done generally. Like, this is this is a very highly scoring... That's number one album on Metacritic. Like, it's 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 you know a new metallica record would not be number one on metacritic it'd be like number 73 or something and to be fair like the, the, the last springsteen album which was absolutely fine i think that was right up there was the dylan album we were like oh the bob dylan album is surprisingly good but best album of the year sure. it was on metacritic sure so you know like i don't think this is i think this is a multi-genre problem no I, I'm, I'm not saying it isn't I'm not mm. saying it isn't at all. Um, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I guess I was kind of interested just to see like, why, why has this been exalted to that position? And, and all I can see is nostalgia. It's a, you know, like everything I like about this record, I have to say is like, I'm, I'm going to like front up everything that I like about this album is purely is most of it is down to nostalgia. There you go. 
There you so, go. So yeah, so that that is probably fair. I would like to point out because because I've been super super harsh on this. I actually think this is a, this is a, a perfectly decent record. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm being super harsh on it because of the reaction to it, which just seems so overboard and ridiculous to my mind. I don't like attributing scores to things. If I did, this is a seven out of ten. This is decent. Like it's okay. It's pretty good. I'd give it a seven out of ten as well. Yeah. So I, th- I think that is a fair score. You know. So yes, I do appreciate that. I've sounded really fucking probably a little bit harsher than I intended to, um, but I'm just baffled. And I, I think I kind of brought this in to you because in a way, and I'm not. This is not your fault, Steve. But I was kind of hoping that you'd be able to explain to me why this uh, record has had that critical appraisal but because you don't feel that either uh you can't because i, I guess you're a little bit not baffled but you're you're you know uh, mate, i'm i'm never baffled when a, a massive artist gets a really really I good so. score on, yeah, on, yeah. On, like across the board i'm never that baffled because i feel like it's just sort of happens quite a bit but it's not like nas's previous albums have got those kind of scores like why is this happening now why now king's disease is 72 on Metacritic. Mm. Okay. I don't know then. No idea. Lauren Hill's on it? <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah, maybe. Is that it? I, I mean, you know, know, this uh, this album, uh, The King's Disease won the Grammy for, for Best Rap Album. It did. The, yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, maybe. the Grammys always get it right, so that must be... Well, look, I mean, fucking hell, if we're going to... Yeah, I mean, who <laughs> fucking knows? Uh, anyway, let's move on. Um, King's Disease 2 is out now. Uh, and it was out last week as well so you might have already heard it and just gone oh guys we've heard this move on Um, (laughs) let's move on our last record comes from the Joy Formidable it's called Into the Blue it's a fifth album from the Welsh alternative indie rock band the follow up to 2018's Arth I think that's how you say it very lovely pronunciation there the Joy Formidable the Joy Formidable Formidable Uh, uh, always known the name never known the music this is the first time I've listened to a Joy Formidable album and I have to say Renfrey I quite like them. Yeah, um, I'm basically in exactly the same boat. Um, we've talked about on this show before how uh, one of the great things about doing it is um, we, selfishly, can fill gaps in our knowledge. And when I saw this Joy Formidable, Joy Formidable uh, album was coming out, I was like, the Joy Formidable, I hear, you know, I know of them. I am aware of them. I hear really good things about them generally, but I've just never gone in on them. So I put it on the list and went, yeah, let's let's check that out. Um, and yeah, really bloody glad I did. Um, and I'm glad you agree as well, because I've, I'm really, really enjoying this record. Um, where can we place it? I, they're a Welsh alternative rock band based in Utah. I, I upon hitting play, I immediately got. I don't know if it's because I've been obsessed with this record this year, but I immediately got Wolf, Wolf Alice. Alice vibes. Good, yes. <laughs> Although I would say the Joy Formidable are more rock orientated than Wolf Alice, whereas yep. Wolf Alice are more kind of uh indie whimsy garden state mm-hmm. soundtrack kind of thing god that's an old reference um but <laughs> zach braff um if you like the general vibe of wolf alice but you feel that they're just a bit too soft or whimsical for your taste which i could totally understand because that stuff can be quite irritating sometimes then joy formidable may well be right up your street yes exactly that i've actually written this is good it's better than wolf alice that's actually what i've written <laughs> um okay so so i um look i i responded very very well to that wolf ass 
record and I still regularly listen to it and absolutely adore it. I prefer this to the first two Wolf Alice albums. I don't prefer it to that last Wolf Alice record that we did. Um, but I can totally understand why someone would prefer this because it is more... The Joyful Middle are a rock band and mm. Wolf Alice have moments of rock, but really they're far more in the kind of indie thing, aren't they? So, you know, if, you, if you're more predisposed to that sort of thing... I can understand why you would prefer this to yeah that uh i mean that doesn't mean that this is all good oh i would say Mm -hmm. um the title tracks are really good i think you get a kind of breathy vocal tag team between uh rianne bryan and ridian daffid and a sort of circular little robo guitar riff and a really nice little pattern it's good it's also five minutes and 21 seconds long Uh now um the next one's called The Chimes, and it's got a really kind of good grungy alt-rock thing. Um, I really liked her riff, uh, the, the riff and her vocals uh, yeah. over the top of that. The riff just sounds nice. Yeah. Nearly four minutes long. Sevier is kind of, he got a big kind of Queens of Stone Age feel to it with a nice shimmering vocal from Brian again. It feels just the right length as a song. And then we get to Interval, which is a perfectly decent song. But for three and a half minutes, I was like, oh, this is really good. And it's five minutes and 28 seconds long. And it, four songs in we've had two songs that tip over the five minute mark and i was a little bit like i don't think any of these songs on this record save maybe the last one which is six minutes long and even that i think is too long i don't think anything on this record should be tipping over the four minute mark Hmm. that is interesting um i half agree with you although i approached it from a slightly different angle um if i have a minor quibble with this record as a whole um I think the album as a whole is a tad long. Having said that, I really enjoy being in this kind of soundscape world. So we're talking about, you know, dreamy ethereal soundscapes and lush cinematic pianos and strings and interweaving melodies, loads and loads of interweaving melodies to sink your teeth into a fantastic front woman in the form of Ritzy Bryant. You know, this is all stuff that is very much a bit of me. So this album's 50 minutes long and i do think that it is a tad long um but at the same time i'm actually quite happy to be in that wibbly wobbly space for 50 minutes but that's because i'm a mark for this thing so i do realize that and appreciate that and that was something i was going to bring up um funnily enough i was looking at it from the point of view of which songs would i take off of this album and i really struggled because I don't think I would take a song off of it. Something new? No. The, flamen- the flamenco guitar? Absolutely not. Somewhere New is one of the best songs on this record, in my opinion. Oh, no, 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 no. It is Get the, rid of that. It's the centrepiece of the record, and I'm guessing it's really in Davies on, on vocal mm. duties there. We've covered plenty of records where giving vocals over to someone who isn't your main vocalist is often quite a chore, um, but I don't think that's the case of this song at all. I think it's a really beautiful and comparatively sparse centerpiece of the album i think that's a brilliant song it comes after the best song on the record which has got to feed my dog which sounds like kind of garbage covering it i mean it rips off the lullaby by the cure which i like it's the only song that kind of ticks over the sort of four minute mark where i was like yes you can do this i mean i think it's a fucking brilliant song that's the best song on the record i think just because it sounds like lullaby by the cure essentially but done by garbage um i think i think that's a great song i think i would say about somewhere new exactly the same thing as i said about eostre from uh wars in the throne room 
um it's subtle but if it weren't there the album would suffer massively as a result of it because it provides a far broader soundscape to the album if, if it wasn't there this album would be sound remarkably samey throughout but it really broadens the palette of the entire record as a result of being I'm, there. I'm not sure something new saves that from being the case anyway to be perfectly honest mm. I don't I, I mean just that like two and a half minutes whatever like just under three minutes of of that doesn't doesn't I mean look I, I like this record mm. and mm. I like the sound of this band and when you get to like bring it to the front which has got this really cool weird riffs and brilliant synth parts in the background when they get it right they're really fucking good yeah but i think the last i mean the last two songs for me just let the record kind of drift off into nothing only once is five minutes long and it's fine but it doesn't it kind of sounds a bit like the killers and left too soon six minutes it sort of starts slow builds to something pretty good but not maybe as good as i would have wished the album to end on and you're looking at like 11 plus minutes of towards the end of the album and i think it really could have been seven minutes Ooh. i think left too soon is the best song of the album um probably not a massive surprise because it's the most post-rock song of the album um mm. but it's got this driving beat and a wall of like really beautiful guitar noise that builds throughout it and sounds really quite calamitous whilst each individual element is very melodious but when you put them all together it's quite a cacophony which is kind of what the joy formidable seem to do quite a lot and i really really like that um when it all cuts out for a moment and ritzy just puts so much emotion and intention into the word before and then the band comes back crashing in again that is just like a oh my god or inspiring moment I, I i think um left too soon is by far and away the best song on this record to be honest i agree um oh track six the dog one is really 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 good um but but uh left two suits the best thing on here by a mile no yes no no yes, yes, fucking yes. nothing happens it's fucking great um, nothing happens what are you talking about is this mono well again? not enough happens no not enough <laughs> happens we didn't get some small like it never i, I was like you, it is constantly bring, changing but you don't <laughs> bring it to the, it doesn't get brought to the boil enough for me i'm like come on more and they mm. never get to more it could go further and they do that over six minutes mm. i'm just like i think that like, those last two songs i was like and my i feel like my patience is being tested now and the thing is, is my patience had been tested from earlier parts in the album like i say into the blue the, the, the first song on the album it's five minutes and 21 seconds it does not need to be five minutes and 21 seconds you're you know you're essentially i don't know if they'll be offended by this or whatever but you're a pop band you're a pop rock band. Why are your songs six minutes long? I think that is unfair, actually. I, I don't think it is unfair. That all the best parts of this record are things that hark back to kind of Queens of Stone Age and grunge and like alt rock and hole and garbage and all those things. And those, you know, like things that aren't pop. <laughs> like, all of those things are really fucking poppy. They have hooks in them, but just because something has hooks yeah. in it doesn't mean it's poppy. I mean, Pantera have hooks, but would you call them a pop band? No. The reason that this isn't pop is because there are too many melodies all coalescing with one another and all of those melodies and all of those guitar lines and all of those things that are going on are if you take them individually relatively simplistic but you put them all together and they create a really big smorgasbord of sound which has actually got more in common with shoegaze i would say i think you can take individual elements from this album and call it pop but when you put it all together i don't think it's pop at all it's melodious but even when you listen to those shoegaze bands their songs when you listen to like ride or whatever their songs or you know or the um teenage fan club like 
their songs aren't long. Failure's songs aren't like eight minutes long or seven minutes or six minutes long. Like Failure do like stuck on you and stuff like three and a half minutes. I long. mean, to, to be fair, ma- there's only one song on here which is six minutes. <laughs> I think no, but even fi- I think even five minutes, like five minutes when you know essentially what you've done is create a really cool little jaunty shoegaze number to labor the point four or five times throughout this album leads to the album feeling really long by the time you get to the end when you get it to like you know bring it to the front and i think chimes are great like um sevier which we mentioned as well they're all under four minutes and that feels like the perfect length i think like they have a bit of a tendency to just continue where i think they probably didn't need to continue which is fine to do once but you do it a few times over the course of the album and you start going ah album's been quite long now it's I, good I, I just think you're you're um over exaggerating this a little bit i mean there's only um four songs on this album which are over five minutes long if there's five if you include only once which is exactly five minutes long um mm. and and you know i do agree with you i think this is a tad too long for a podcast who goes on about records being too long all the time is this one of them yeah this is a bit too long but you know considering some of the stuff that we've talked about where it's like oh my god this drags for fucking you know 20 minutes could have been cut off this in total i'd cut maximum five minutes from this that's all it needs. It just needs a bit of a trim. I'd probably cut four minutes out of the last two songs, to be honest. I agree it is it is too long. I don't think it's it's too long to the extent that you're saying it's too long. But, but No, yeah. I just think I th- I think they, they to me, those songs suit a bit of brevity. And I think you've mentioned like there are five songs that hit five minutes or more. I think, you know, I would chuck in um Back to Nothing is, is four and a half minutes long. I don't think it needs to be four and a half minutes long. Even that for like, you know, for these songs, I always listen to them and I'm going, This feels like it should the sort of thing like because i think they'd sound really good on the radio i think so many of these songs would sound really good on the radio and you go if that's three and a half minutes long it sound really good on the radio i think that these songs need room to breathe because you know this is not a post-rock record at all but like a lot of post-rock there are things which are happening subtly over the period of a certain length of time and in order for that to happen you need a certain length of time and to be honest the amount of stuff that they managed to do in left too soon for example which is the longest song on the record but for them to do all of that in six minutes is actually quite quite impressive um considering all of the things that are going on that'd be more impressive if they did it in three and a half though wouldn't it i don't think it would be because i don't think that would give it the space that it needs no i i, I don't think it would be at all touche more i manage it I mean, it's not I like fucking hell. People go on about that fucking Touche Amore song. <laughs> Look, that is a great song. But when people are like, when people are like that song or Mogwai Fear Satan, it's like, well, fucking Mogwai Fear Satan, you fucking div. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not talking about Mogwai Fear Satan, though, are we? We're not talking about Mogwai Fear Satan. We're talking about the Joy Formidable. Yeah. And for the Joy Formidable, for, you know what? If it was just that song at the end, I mean, I think that song's good. I think it's good. I would like. I I was kind of anticipating at six minutes that it might get to a higher crescendo than mm-hmm, what we mm-hmm. actually got. It could. It could have done that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think it's a bad thing that they chose not to do that. But yes, I understand it could. Have no, but that. I was like, oh, I was kind of expecting you to go a little bit further with that, mm. and they didn't. And that's that. You know, that's ultimately fine. It's not a bad song. But I think because there are other moments on the album where I was like, I think if you'd have just been a little bit more judicious with your trimming, you could have created something. Because this, you know, this whole thing of like, oh, it's too complicated to be a pop song. Well, that's not true because loads of pop music is incredibly complex, and it's still pop music. I mean, I, I think this has more to do i mean you, you'll probably turn around and say they're a pop band but the cure is a good example you look at you listen to Dis- disintegration mm. or something like that and th- it's an album which has loads and loads and loads of melodies all interweaving and and mm-hmm. and locking into one another i mean c- comparing this to disintegration by the cure is a fair old um you know, i think they're, they're, i think i think it's a pretty spot-on comparison not in terms of quality but like no no well, exactly the sounds of the quality. record yeah they, are, well, they I, are very similar this record is a is you know it sounds like i'm fucking slagging it off now i think it's good i think it's really really good i just think they could be a band who could write a really perfect front to back record which does loads of stuff sounds really great and would be incredibly memorable from beginning to end without really testing your patience and this album is a little bit too long and i think that's due to the songs being slightly over egged on one too many occasions anyway into the blue by joy formidable uh, is out now it's a bit like it's review it's too long um so <laughs> we'll be back next week i mean with um oh, so blood, bloodstock review bloodstock yeah plus fucking death heaven and between the buried and me lovely stuff we'll see you next week um and uh, if you see us at bloodstock come and say like well you won't be listening to this you'll be back from bloodstock i wouldn't imagine you'll wake up in the morning and listen to this when you could be at blood when you're at bloodstock anyway we're gonna be at bloodstock fucking hell uh (laughs) see you later (laughs) bye